0: 60% of Google searches do not result in a click. So in other words, you start typing, was Abraham Lincoln, and it begins to auto-suggest, you know, fill in the rest of what you're typing. And so the question might be, was Abraham Lincoln, this is an actual example, was Abraham Lincoln a Republican? And it will bring up an answer box. Now you didn't click on that; it brings it up, and it says Union Party. Now this is a de- this is a deceptive answer because it's just the name of the Republican Party before is the Republican Party, uh, but it's it's leading you away quite deliberately from the actual answer. Now you type in the same thing on Bing, and it will say. Republican. Was Abraham Lincoln autofill Republican? And then you can click. So in other words, what Google is doing is because 60% of the time you don't actually click, it gives you the answer it wants to give you before you get there. So it's already shifting you, in a and I should be going this way, sh- shifting you towards leftist responses. The other thing is is that on YouTube, you know, if you notice when you're watching a video, it will autoplay another video and then another video and another video. These are 85% of the time, these are leftist videos. Another thing is that Google, according to Dr. Epstein, sent out reminders overwhelmingly to Democrats, people they knew because of their, their surfing habits, They're able to sort of populate what kind of individual you are. They sent out reminders to them to vote. So asking Dr. Epstein, how many votes do you think in just the midterms Google was able to shift towards Democrat candidates? And he said upwards of 80 million votes. Now let's think about that for just a second. In 2020, he figures about 7 million votes. So this is a kind of election rigging and he's trying to blow the whistle on this uh, but he's being denounced uh you know by the likes of hillary clinton and others who oh, say man. that his research has been this debunked. Is, when of course it hasn't
1: this is this is such horrifying stuff Folks, remember I mentioned my friend Larry Taunton, because I have no recollection of that. They tell me that, uh, <laughs> that he's my guest. And uh, oh, look, there he is, Larry Taunton, my friend. Welcome back. It's been too long. You've got a lot uh, to tell us about. Um, you've been writing a lot, uh, doing podcasts. Uh, it's disturbing when I read some of your stuff, because you've been doing a deep dive into klaus schwab and the world economic forum which sounds like end time antichrist stuff uh sounds ugly what have you discovered larry and because i trust you i trust your judgment your research what is what are we to make of this
0: well, first of all, Eric, it's good to see you. You're looking dapper as always, and uh, it was uh, it was fun watching you shovel some food in your mouth there uh, between the break. People don't realize what a hardworking man you are. And People don't realize that,
1: that I, Eric Metaxas, <laughs> eat food. I know they kind of think uh, I've transcended food. No, no, I still eat. I still pretty much eat. But I fast yes. between meals, religiously. I just want to be very clear. It's- Uh, And I put oil on my face so people can't tell that I'm fasting. Um, But you seriously now you've done this deep dive into Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. And it's really gruesome stuff to me. It's gruesome. And it takes a brave man like you to look into this Um, for people who know nothing about uh, who this monster Klaus Schwab is. Tell us, please.
0: Yeah, the uh, Klaus Schwab the in the World Economic Forum may, maybe some of the people who are watching us or listening right now Eric don't know anything about them. They don't they don't know anything about who these people are and it it all sounds like uh you know uh, uh, yeah, a a Bond villain. In fact, he looks like a Bond villain. He looks like he looks like Ernst Blofeld. Um, the, Schwab does, and yeah. what I what I find very interesting about him, Eric, or at least not directly about him, but what people say about him is all the conspiracy theories that float around um, the you know the internet. And, and uh, what I decided to do was what I or you would do if we are researching any topic, you know, for a book or biographically, and that is to see. What could be known about Schwab versus what wasn't known about him? So, for instance, people seem to focus on, you know, was his his father a Nazi, and um, what is he a Rothschild, and you know, all these these things that uh, these conspiracy. Was his mother a jackal? Yeah, you know, all kinds of strange things like this. Yeah, and instead, people were missing the really important things. In other words, if we're talking about a figure like, let's say Adolf Hitler, there were so many so many theories about Hitler rather than actually reading Mein Kampf. So what I decided to do was focus on what could be known. And that meant reading Schwab's books, books like uh, COVID-19, The Great Reset, The Great Narrative, Um, And seeing what the man himself was saying, watching interviews um, with him, uh, seeing what I could find about him biographically on the Internet. And this this part is fascinating, Eric. A guy who has like Schwab, he's the chairman and has been the only chairman of the World Economic Forum since its founding. He founded it in 1971. He has massive global uh, ambitions a man who was born in Ravensburg Germany in 1938 his father his father did uh, oversee a plant that was producing um, uh, water turbine engines uh, for the Nazi government in th- their attempt to make an atomic weapon with uh, with heavy water but all of that said let's just suppose his father was you know was Heinrich Himmler that in and of itself, doesn't necessarily condemn schwab of course you know we not we, not. we, we don't judge not. a man by who his father was or who his father wasn't Listen, no joke way.
1: joseph stalin's daughter became a christian at the end of her life so so whoever your parents are uh, is usually irrelevant we want yes. to look at the man for for who he is before you go into it further though what, what, in other words, what is the one line when people think of this guy and the World Economic Forum? What is the, uh, you know, the, the 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 briefest take on who who he is? He's a financier. He's a billionaire uh, who has ambitions to uh, change the world. Basically, he's a, he's he's a dedicated Mr. globalist. No, no, no What's that?
0: I think he is a well. Yes, he's definitely a dedicated globalist. But I think at bottom. He's really kind of a sinister Mr. Networker guy. Uh, that is, he's a he's a who's who's good at at shaking hands and backslapping and getting other globalists to meet with each other. And so the World Economic Forum has become that platform. They meet in Davos, Switzerland, annually. I'm planning to go in January. I hope people who are watching will support my effort to go and uh, you know attend this thing. I, I just want to uh, say, Larry, uh,
1: seriously. I'm just fascinated how differently the Lord makes people, because the thought of, of attending that, you've done this kind of thing, you go to these places, and I'm in awe of your ability to do that, and I'm, I'm thrilled you are doing it, because it's important uh, to have someone like you there on the ground to kind of see what's going on. But that, you said, is in January,
0: that is in January in uh, in Davos, Switzerland, and I appreciate you saying that. And I hope hope people will power us forward so that we can do it. But that's about a thirty thousand dollar you know cost. Now, to be clear, that's what they charge just to attend. Now, I don't intend to go to that. Like I don't intend to be a part of the actual um, you know conferences, and that's because everything I read says the real conversations don't take place at the presentations. They take place in the restaurants, the coffee shops, uh, in the hotel lobbies. And those are the places that I intend to be. In other words, the power brokers who attend the conference, you and I have done this. We've sat at the Waffle House and we've attended apologetics conferences. Um, The real power brokers, they're only attending those meetings when they're actually speaking. Otherwise, they're sitting at a restaurant or a hotel or somewhere conversing with other globalists, and I intend to be a fly on the wall in Davos while these conversations are taking place because, you see, the, the end game um, for much of this, for the World Economic Forum, for all these different globalists, is that they're all connecting with one another, and they all have similar ambitions, and you see, what Klaus Schwab is selling, his primary you know, product, if you will, is he's offering power. He's offering great power, domination within government. And the way this is achieved, of course, is, A, they sustain and they support each other. Um, What we're seeing, for instance, in uh, the elections in Brazil, in the elections in the United States, uh, in the suppression of farmers in the Netherlands, uh, in the protests that have taken place in places like Italy, the the recent election of Giorgio Meloni there, who represents a populist movement, all of this is connected, and that is because we 're seeing a global fight between shall we say the common people who are um, you know expressing themselves through these populist movements, for instance, the millions millions literally you 're seeing in the streets in Brazil or or an effort to support DeSantis or Trump or Maloney in Italy, and globalists who are out to crush those movements. And of course, they've used COVID-19. And Schwab himself, again, rather than focusing on who was or wasn't his father, read his books. Uh, Schwab says that COVID-19 offered us, meaning globalists, an unprecedented opportunity, and that they must seize it in order to push forward their agenda. And Eric, here's, here's some of the shocking stuff. Now, when I say this, I say this I say this having researched this very carefully and listening to the academic, you can go online. You can go to larryalextaunt.com and find links to these individuals within, embedded within the articles that I've written on the World Economic Forum. But you have individuals like Dennis Meadows of uh, MIT saying that and he is, a, he is a World Economic Forum Agenda Contributor along with other stellar figures like, say, Steven Pinker. In other words, atheists. At bottom, the World Economic Forum is atheistic, saying we must reduce the global population from 8 billion to less than 2 billion. And he says that well, we must do it. You know, hopefully we can achieve it peacefully. That's a direct quote hopefully. from him.
1: Hopefully. Hey, if we have to murder a few peaceful. billion people, who's counting? Um, <laughs> that's, I mean, really, this this stuff is so hard uh to get one's head it's around, it's like
0: Specter in a Bond movie.
1: Well, the funny thing is, Larry. W- I mean, the reason we're here, let's let's be honest, and the reason I uh, I know we're at some point in the end times is because never in the history of humanity have we had the ability uh, for this kind of global control, global communication. Where we simply Correct. have never had that ability. uh and it makes me think of the tower of babel we are basically um you know if ever anybody was foolish enough to think that they could reach the heavens or reach utopia on our own without god well with the technology we have and with everything that we now have you can see how these people seem to think that it's possible we're going to go to a break we have to make it clear also Folks, this stuff is as anti-American as you could ever dream, yes. not to mention anti-biblical. But we'll be back talking to Larry Taunton T A U N T O N. Stick around.
0: Living in the hopeless, hungry side of town.
1: Welcome back. I'm talking to Larry Taunton, whom you may find at larryalextaunton.com. I recommend that you go to larryalextaunton.com. So, Larry, let's continue the conversation. Uh, you've done a deep dive into Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum.
0: Yeah, let me tell you a little bit about how we got—or how they got where they are. This this all really began with an academic white paper that was circulated in 1970 called The Predicament of Mankind. Now, as a writer— uh, you like myself would read this and say this needed a better editor. It's uh, it's written by somebody of a you know a scientific predisposition who doesn't really have any <laughs> any real skills as a as a writer. It's full of typos and it's just not it, it's somewhat repetitive. But it's only 31 pages. And in the predicament of mankind. This group, which is called the Club of Rome, the Club of Rome, which is oddly located in Zurich, Switzerland, is a think tank, think Cato or Brookings Institute. But these are individuals who said, "Look, global leaders um, are too focused on getting reelected and of um, you know the tyranny of the urgent, and they're not focusing on global problems." And so, we suggest in the predicament of mankind, in this white paper, we suggest that there be a, um, a kind of new think tank that's an action committee, and that this action committee focus on some of the world problems.
1: Now, in They're 1970, facing- uh, I, I find all of this horrific and funny at the same time. What could be more pompous? What could conceivably be more pompous than a paper titled The Predicament of humanity. Yes. I've got an answer to the predicament of humanity. It's called the Bible <laughs> and Jesus. But, you know, put that aside, since we're atheists, uh, the predicament of humanity. What did uh, these pompous uh, men come up with in 1970 that they said was the predicament, this terrible predicament well, of humanity they that said they the died predicament.
0: They said the predicament was that the Earth was exceeding its carrying capacity, overpopulation. Oh, it's yeah. very Malthusian.
1: You, look, you um, and I are old enough to remember when this stuff was, I mean, the, when the Earth catalog oh, yes. came out and everybody's talking about like in, in 10 minutes, you know, we're all going to have to eat soylent green. It's over. <laughs> we don't have enough resources. We've got to get busy. Months. 50 years it, ago, 50 years ago, it, they were saying this.
0: Well, and what's interesting about that, Eric, you're so spot on is because the, the 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 milieu of this time produced a lot of this type of thinking, like Soylent Green and you know um, the late great Planet Earth, you know, and this kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, what what happened was the following year, the World Economic Forum, which is at the time just called I think the Economic Forum, was uh, uh, established by Klaus Schwab the following year in 1971, and then in 1972 they put forward. Um, a major, we'll call it a bestseller among academics, called The Limits to Growth. The aforementioned, you know, in the previous segment, Dennis Meadows was one of the contributors to this book. And Limits to Growth basically takes the, uh, the predicament of mankind much further, and we're using all of these models uh, said, look, we we are facing a crisis that by this particular time, the earth will have exceeded its carrying capacity and we're in big, big trouble. By so 1980,
1: was- it'll be over. The cockroaches it'll are taking over, over. By 1980, <laughs> mark my words, it's going to happen. Okay. Yeah.
0: And so they were pushing all of this in a very, very big way. Then a fourth one was produced in 1991, which is called the First global revolution and the first global revolution sort of looks back on their predictions and says yep we're headed in this direction but by this time they these these papers and the people who are writing them they're starting to garner uh, an elite following that is to say a following of of people like say a henry kissinger so that kissinger produces a uh, a fascinating paper called National Security Study Memorandum two hundred in 1974. And it was uh, it was a classified document that a couple of decades later was was declassified through the Freedom of Information Act, in which Kissinger is advising the president of the United States, Richard Nixon. You can follow and find all of this. It's available to you online in U.S. government, you know, you can find this. And in this memorandum, he says we must reduce the global population. Now think for just a moment, Eric, about what you were just talking about, Soylent Green and so on. So you have this big push on reducing the global population. And then what happens in 1973, Roe v. Wade. And then it's in 74 that Kissinger keeps pushing this idea. In other words, depopulation is a it is really the core principle of the World Economic Forum. At bottom, this is what they're Okay, so there's about. a reason
1: for many years people said Henry Kissinger is the Antichrist. I've met him, and he's uh, maybe not the Antichrist, but the point is this kind of thinking, some of the smartest people in the world are definitely the biggest idiots who've ever lived. I mean, it's fascinating to me that it's almost, you know, you're talking about brilliant people diagnosing yes. everything wrongly, and at the heart of it, we have to say, Again, it is atheistic. The Bible says, be fruitful and multiply. Life is good. Life is sacred. Okay. They say, no, 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 no. Uh, Life bad. We need to reduce population, abortion, whatever it is. They seem, whether they know the roots of it or not, to be somehow inherently anti-human, anti-growth and prosperity. There's something really... Uh, fascinatingly bleak about their view. And again, this goes back to the 70s. So we've got plenty more time left with Larry Taunton. You can go to LarryAlexTaunton.com. We'll be right back.
2: Once I rose above the noise and confusion Just to get a glimpse beyond this illusion I was soaring ever higher
1: Hey, folks, talking to my friend Larry Taunton. Larry, let's just keep going. This is fascinating stuff.
0: Well, we were talking about Kissinger just a moment ago, and really what I want to drive home is this whole idea that at, at, at bottom, the World Economic Forum, what, whatever their videos they put out and that sound very good and their, their various feel-good uh, conferences and these kinds of things – the World Economic Forum, at bottom, their their unspoken, or let's just say it's not unspoken, but quietly spoken agenda, is depopulation, and this began with um, with the predicament of mankind in 1970, and the fact that Kissinger in '74 is pushing, in a uh, a classified document, a classified report to the president of the United States, depopulation, and he says, look. We need a global version of Planned Parenthood. And, he, and now in, in this document, he's speaking quite openly because he's not anticipating this is ever going to be read you know, by people like you and me. But you have this agenda being pushed in a very big way. Now, the Kissinger connection is important because Kissinger was a professor at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government. And guess who one of his star pupils was? Uh, Klaus
1: Schwab. Schwab. I was going to guess either so, Satan or Adolf Hitler, and I realized n- <laughs> neither of those really would make sense. But uh, Klaus Schwab was a, was a pupil of Kissinger's at the Harvard Kennedy School of Government.
0: Okay. So the connection is very real and uh, during this period of time. And so this kind of thinking, these are individ- – you were saying something very interesting before we went to break in the previous segment. I mean, here you are, the – you know, the author is atheism dead. Um, in this, among a group like this, the answer is no. These are individuals who are driven by an atheistic worldview, but part of what makes them so dangerous, Eric, as, as you and I both know, is that they're ideologues. And the way I define an ideologue is, is this, they're individuals who value ideas more than people. But it
1: follows. In other words, if if you're convinced there is no God, then you may not say it out loud, but you're also convinced there's no right or wrong except what you decide. And there's also no reason not to kill people or lie or do whatever you need to do because there's no God to tell you right or wrong. You decide. You become as gods, uh, quoting a favorite book of mine. So it's kind of fascinating that they really are dedicated to this view very bleak anti-human view
0: absolutely and see the you know adding to the fact that that something that makes them all the more sinister from although excuse me although they would never recognize it as such is that these are individuals who really see themselves as moral titans they see themselves as better than you as better than me as bettering mankind.
1: That's, that's always and, a bad sign. If someone thinks of himself as a moral titan, you might want to run. If, you, uh, if you're looking for a husband and, and, and you say, so tell me about yourself, and the guy says, well, I'm a, I'm a moral titan, you, <laughs> you might want to move on. You say, you know what, I, I don't feel so well, I need to go home. Um, but that's a fact. These types, they have, one thing they don't have is humility, and even though they don't believe in morality, somehow they believe in their own morality. I mean, of course, it's self-contradictory, um, but go ahead.
0: Well, uh, this is why you're seeing pushed in places like Canada, for instance, uh, and you'll begin to see it here eventually, and certainly in Western Europe, euthanasia uh, in a in a very, very big way. They uh, produced a video in which you, you can find this again on, I think it's still available on YouTube. I don't think they've They've taken it down, but an Agenda 21 video called I've Lived a Good Life. And in the video, have you seen this? It's elderly in fact, it's people. it's been so
1: great, I'm going to kill myself.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, in which they're encouraging people to off themselves. So in in it's just a a, a a video with a series of people who said, I've lived a good life, I've lived a good life, and it's kind of now time for me to move on and make room for someone else. This is being pushed in a very big way as a moral good. Now, notice that Schwab and his ilk, individuals like Bill Gates, for example, they're not volunteering to do it themselves. Right. They're, they're volunteering you to do it. This is the way these
1: people think. Right. We want your money. Give us your money. We don't want to spend our money. Uh, well, Larry, this is so sinister. It's so evil that I, I have to joke about it because it's it's just horrifying. Um, but listen, we, this is why I, I think there's a clarification happening uh, in the world right now uh, in, in, a, in a sense— One of the reasons, again, I think that we're at some point in the end times, because the clarification between good and evil, between life and death, between this incredibly bleak atheistic worldview that says, kill yourself, kill your unborn child, don't bring people uh, into this world. It's just more mouths to feed. This is a Nazi doctrine. It's a satanic doctrine. It's as bleak and wicked as it gets. But if you don't believe in God, guess what, folks? It's logical. So believing in the God of the Bible ends up being kind of important to everything, just in case you're scoring at home. So you're telling me that that's what these people are about, at least largely.
0: Yes, they are about that, and they're able to hide that uh, rather well. Let's just go back to Schwab for just a moment. I... I went and looked at his Wikipedia page, and I don't like Wikipedia. It's not a source of, you know, authentic information much of the time. It may have facts about Eric Metaxas, but it's not a factual narrative about Eric Metaxas. Um, You know, anybody can go on there and say whatever they want. But it is an indication of, shall we say, popularity. Not necessarily significance, but popularity. So you go on Schwab's webpage, and what you find on there about him is, let's say, and I don't remember the exact number, but I think I did a word count on Schwab's uh, um, Wikipedia page, and I think it's 1,400 words. Now, Mr. Bean gardener's about 6,000 words, and what you find on Schwab's um, Wikipedia page is simply facts like this. He went here. He was born here. He received uh, honorary doctorates from, uh, but you learn nothing actually about well, he the has man. M-
1: a million people being paid to uh, curate that page so yes. it looks uh, favorable to him. Exactly. I don't uh, have millions of people, which is money. why my page is so messed up. Uh, we're going to go to a break. Folks, plenty more with Larry Alex Taunton. Don't go away. Off the
2: wind, on this line of the Got eighty feet of a water line. Nice to make way. In the noise of bar and have alarm, I'm trying to call you.
1: So I like to know where folks welcome back talking to Larry Alex Taunton. Uh, Larry, just keep going. This is fascinating.
0: Yeah, I was just simply talking about, you know, his Wikipedia page, using that as an example. That there's almost nothing about the man on his Wikipedia page and you astutely pointed out that is because there has to be an army of paid monitors to nix anything, you know, from that website that they don't want on there about him. Now you look beyond that. A guy like Schwab, surely there's biographies that are written about Schwab. Nothing. You find almost nothing about the man, and that in of itself tells us something significant about him. It tells us that his his biography is carefully guarded, and they only put forward the bits they really want you to know now there 's a book out there called uh, davos man man and uh, suddenly i 've forgotten the name of the uh, the author of the book, but it 's an interesting little book. That's been produced by a, a, a fellow at the, uh, the New Yorker, um, and so here's a leftist who is, you know, writing a book about the people Davos man is a collective, you know, label for those who gather in Davos, Switzerland each year for the World Economic Forum meeting, billionaires uh, mostly. And um, here's, a, here's a leftist who's evaluating them. And what I found fascinating about the, the book Davos Man is that the criticisms of Schwab, which are in the book, which are many, uh, are really, um, you know, kind of insignificant. You know, in other words, rather than criticizing him for his world ambition or for his desire to reduce the global population, it, it tells little stories about how he you know, chastise an employee for parking in his spot, you know, outside. Does it talk or, about his
1: monstrously bad breath?
0: It does not. That he but could it fell shied.
1: trees with his <laughs> breath. Does it talk about that? Little things like that?
0: It just simply is, you know, it's, it's petty criticisms of the man, of which any of us could be. You know, it could be criticized in uh, in daily life if somebody's looking for those things. And I thought, isn't this interesting? Here's a leftist who has attended Davos for I think I think he says in the book seven years in a row, and you would think he would come away absolutely alarmed that this specter-like group has a desire for global domination, for uh, the reduction of the global population, for the reduction of food sources for the desire to annihilate uh, national sovereignty, national boundaries, um, you know, such as what we're well, seeing. Well, the fact in, in, is that know, we, was, we live in
1: a time not. where most educated Americans are unaware that the idea of abolishing uh, national boundaries or sovereignty is an evil, sick profoundly troubling idea a profoundly bad idea but they kind of act like well maybe that's the future you know we're moving forward progress it's a good thing who's to say we're worried about nationalism we're worried about you know bad orange man and his army taking over destroying democracy that's literally what worries them which is comedic if you know the facts they're not worried about globalism they're like no no that's only a good thing um and and so these people are true believers, Larry. I mean, it's just insane. It's 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 funny and sad.
0: Well, what you just said uh, is spot on, and the that the fact that that nationalism is being characterized the way it is. I mean, if you believe in nationalism, if you're patriotic, you're just automatically labeled a fascist and a Nazi. This is part of the globalist the, narrative. Right. Right. This is part of their narrative. In other words, the very people who are saying those kinds of things right. don't realize they're playing the globalist game.
1: Okay. We're uh, we're at the end of part one with Larry Taunton. Uh, part two, uh, I believe, tomorrow. LarryAlexTaunton.com is the website. Do not forget, folks. Go to my website, ericmataxascom Sign up for the newsletter so I can stay in touch with you. Um, we'll be back with our, two.
0: Welcome to the Eric Metaxas show with your host, Eric Metaxas.
1: Holy guacamole. Ah, As they say. Yes, they say Uh, it. Mm-hmm. I, I got to tell you, Alvin. Yeah. Tomorrow, yes, this is what my sources tell me. They tell because you because I've got sources uh, in the former administration, in the, in the Trump sources. administration. They, t- my sources, tell me that tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Now, look, I can't prove it, yeah. but these sources have been pretty <laughs> remarkably accurate, mm-hmm. and I believe tomorrow is Thanksgiving. In which case, uh, today, I guess that would make today the day before Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving Eve. Eve. Uh, as it's known uh, in the rest of the, the Commonwealth, I, I now, I want to say what I'm going to do on Thanksgiving, but I want to know what are you going to do on Thanksgiving? What do you do? You live in Westchester? Yes Do we they do. celebrate Thanksgiving in Westchester? We, we
2: just started this is like the second anniversary of celebrating. Really: Yeah they finally yeah. started yeah. celebrating
1: it. Because yeah. years ago, you know: no, they didn't: We're joking, but the fact is years ago. Thanksgiving was not really codified. We'll talk about this over the next few days. But, like, it became a thing... Relatively yeah. recently. Yeah, I mean, exactly, in the 1850s, they were not celebrating Thanksgiving right. all across America. And, and
2: the woman that wrote Mary Had a Little Lamb actually was the one that instigated this whole national drive to get oh, Thanksgiving. That's right. Yeah, oh, Josepha Hale. What's her name? Sarah jo- something like that. But we talk that's about right. that. We've on f- had. Fun Facts we've had her on the program. Yeah, we, we've had her on this program. Okay, but so you, younger up, you and yeah. the lovely
1: Anne, and, and not lovely. to be confused with your wife, the horrible Anne. Oh, you and the lovely Anne, yes, that's lovely. tomorrow, uh yeah what, what do you do we, you we go to fr- friends? a friend's
2: house it's only about a mile or so away and we the, the the problem is wednesday today after the show i've got to go to the worst place in the whole wide world which is in elmsford the, the sam's there i hate going you to, to go sam's. to the sam's club sam's club oh man that's thanksgiving and go in there and try to find whatever's left on the shelves uh, we have to bring hors d'oeuvres and things like that but we already got the apple pie for at, at Wegman's, my one of my favorite you got that stores. like four weeks ago yeah we did and it's uh getting ripe
1: you so <laughs> it's got so, some
2: extras in it, you know what okay. I mean. Oh, okay. Oh, I hear you, man.
1: <laughs> Nothing like a chunky yeah. uh, elderly and, apple and, and, pie.
2: And Anne's making cranberry <laughs> sauce and, yeah. Okay. But we're not so doing you're the turkey. you're we're hanging doing out with friends. Friends. And so. are you
1: going to go over the river and through the woods to these we, friends' that's, house?
2: That's one of the songs we'll be singing All right. as we go a, a mile away. Well, uh, we
1: uh because my of course, uh, everyone knows we live in Manhattan. Yes. And my parents are in the house where we grew up, which is to say in Danbury, Connecticut, where we moved in. Uh, we took possession of the house in May of 1972, hmm. and then you know I had to finish school at the Transfiguration uh, in Corona, Queens. So we didn't really move in officially until I don't know, it was I guess the first days of June or something like that in 72. So we've been there ever since, and it's working out. I think we're going to keep the house. It's only been 50 years now, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're going to we're going to keep it. Uh, we just figured to give it a trial period of five decades. But we typically would do all our holidays there because my brother and his family are out you know, on the Connecticut coast. Yeah. But now, you know, that my my mom is older and um, we, uh, what we think we're going to do, no, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to drive, we're going to drive to Danbury. That's me and my family. We're going to drive to Danbury. uh, And, or that's I and my family, or no, that's my family and I are going to drive to Danbury. We're going to take my parents all the way down to the Connecticut coast. And uh, we are going to celebrate with my brother and his family. And at the end of that, we're going to drive back to Danbury and probably stay with my parents on Friday. and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So it becomes like a big a big journey. But it's in a car. It's, yeah. not, in a, it's not in a sleigh no. or anything like that. Um, but anyway, so that's what we're doing for Thanksgiving. And I, I keep hearing these rumors that it's hard to get a turkey. Is this true? Um,
2: you know, what we were talking to the um, our makeup woman, uh, Laura, and she said that in her, where she lives, they're actually giving turkeys away. They're coming door to door. Somebody knocked on her door and said, do you want a turkey? I forget the city that she lives in. But they, they were – actually, if you need a turkey, we don't want you to go hungry. Here's a turkey for Thanksgiving. It's a New Jersey town, one of these small Jeez. towns, Union City or something like that. What a like nice that. gesture. Those yeah. turkeys
1: have been in the deep freeze since 84. Yeah. No, they're, they're um, old
2: turkeys, but, you know, it's free. You they're
1: old do? Reagan turkeys. They put them in the deep freeze <laughs> uh, with right. the government they're cheese. They're Republican turkeys. All right. Okay, so, All right. <laughs> uh, so we are uh, – I believe my guest in a couple of minutes – is going to be Larry Taunton. Part two. We, we spoke to him yesterday, yeah. and I said, you know, he's got a lot Sounds to say. me like he's, I'd like to continue talking. Yeah. We haven't had him on in a while. Yeah. Uh, but there's so many dear on. friends that we haven't had on in a while because it's been such a crazy season. With me traveling. Ken Fish. We got to get him on the program. Have we booked him yet? We don't no. know.
2: No, we haven't. I know he's going to be on. in
1: New York. I don't think he's going to be able to do the show. Yeah, forget uh, it. But Ken Fish, he's going uh, uh, yeah. to be in New York doing something. The Getty's Christmas concert. Oh, right. We've got to, we've got to uh, tell people, folks, if you want to be at Carnegie Hall in New York City. Carnegie Hall. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. Carnegie Hall, our friends, the Getty's, yeah. are doing a concert there December 15th. Yes. Okay? I know I'll be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know tons of friends are already g- going to be there. But I should say, if you can drive to Carnegie Hall, December fifteenth, it really is extra special. It's almost—I guess—it's become like a New York tradition now because they've done it every year, yeah. and you kind of can't miss it. And it's wonderful, and you'll you'll see fun people there. But we love Keith uh, and Kristen Getty, and so that's December fifteenth. I should I should have mentioned that earlier. Anyway, okay. Yes. Uh, before we go to our guest, uh, I want to remind people: Socrates in City, December sixth, in New York City. You go to uh, now we're recording this a day early, so I don't know if the code works anymore, but there was a code VIP 25 for 25 percent off. There were very limited tickets, so I'm assuming it's not going to work. But just in case, VIP 25 for 25 percent off Stockton City tickets. I want to mention that. I also want to mention, I don't know why, but the folks at Nutramedics decided that for the rest of this month, if you use the code Eric, it's 35 percent off. That's kind of insane. I get all of my nutraceuticals from from them, um, Mm -hmm. and everyone tells me how great they are. Like I'm I'm telling you, when you talk to like secular New York doctors, who they go, oh, Nutramedics, very impressed, very impressed. Like they're really impressed by Nutramedics. But what they don't know is that Nutramedics gives fifty percent of all of their profits to missions organizations, uh, mostly in the third world. Really. They're heroes. Nutramedics.com. Use the code ERIC. We should also get in a plug for our buddy Mike Lindell. Um, most of my books are available at mystore.com, um, including the Uncle Muggsy books. Oh, which really? I got to tell you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They're in beautiful. terms of Christmas presents, no. they're the most beautiful books I've ever seen, no. illustrated by my friend Tim Raglan. Uh, the Donald the Caveman books. But most of my actual adult books are available at mystore.com with the code ERIC. But the most exciting thing is the coffee. Oh yes, yes, yes. The coffee at mystore.com, dot com, it's magical. Mm-hmm. Mike Lindell, like you realize, he just seems like he kind of plays the role of like a goofy normal guy.
2: Yeah,
1: he's a genius. Yeah, I mean he's a genius. He's you know he's a very wealthy man, a genius businessman. Yes, and he seems to do everything right because he has created all these products that people rave about yeah. Yeah. you know p- people didn't like them. you'd hear about it right yeah but people rave about his products i uh, if you go to mypillow.com, there's a ton of stuff obviously use the code eric and tell your friends but i still will never get over the mattress topper <laughs> yeah i mean do you remember i remember yeah, it's like oh, the yeah, mattress topper we're gonna you, send you, you mattress and I topper and i was like yeah mattress topper like what do i care like i don't yeah. you know i don't care honestly i was i was blown away that's uh, anyway if you use the code eric it's uh, yeah. much less expensive. And the, the, the towels are incredible, too. I am not kidding the about the The thirstiest towels, towels on <laughs> this or any other planet. Yes. But it's true. Do you remember when he did a Christmas special and he yeah. talked about the special towel technology? Yeah. That they should be teaching in schools. But the towel technology uh, about how the towels are actually more absorbent and how the new towels that you get in stores or whatever, they feel all soft. But it, they, anyway, you didn't need to hear that. But the point is mystore.com, mypillow.com. Reward Mike for being an American hero, which I promise you he is, and a really super nice guy. Uh, Use the code ERIC uh, at those places. And I think I didn't mention it, but my schedule coming up, I am everywhere. I am this weekend in – I'm preaching at Church of the Apostles in Atlanta – uh, I'll be in Seattle. I'll be in Phoenix. I'll be—I mean—I'm going all yeah. over the place. Yeah, but go to
2: ericmetaxis.com for the schedule for your for my schedule. Trip. Eric Metaxas. And sign up
1: for the newsletter and and for the love of Christmas yes. or Thanksgiving, sign up for the newsletter. Ericmetaxis.com. We'll be back with our friend Larry Taunton. Oh. In case you haven't been paying attention, the Biden administration has caused a financial crisis and they have no clue how to fix it. Oil prices have skyrocketed. And when oil prices go up, the cost of transportation and shipping spikes, leading the prices of goods to rise. And when we're already seeing record inflation, that's the last thing we need. Our economy is in trouble and you need to take steps to protect yourself. If all your money is tied up in stocks, bonds and traditional markets, you are vulnerable. Gold is one of the best ways to protect your retirement no matter what happens you own your gold it is real it is physical it's always been valuable since the dawn of time legacy precious metals is the company I trust for investing in gold they can help you roll your retirement account into a gold-backed IRA where you still own the physical gold They can also ship gold and precious metals safely and securely to your house. Call Legacy at 866-528-1903 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. It's hard to grasp why anyone would keep voting for record inflation, skyrocketing crime, and an open border. Likewise, why would anyone keep funding the left by sticking with the big carriers? Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, and they want to make it easy for you to try their service. Give them 60 days to show you why I trust them. Right now, when you try Patriot Mobile for two months, get your third month free plus get free activation. They offer nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks and use the same towers as all three of the major carriers. So you get the same great service while supporting a company that's fighting to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. Just go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or call their 100% U.S.-based customer service team At 972 Patriot. If you're fed up with woke companies that don't care about your values, support a company that does. Make the switch today and get a free month of service plus free activation. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. That's patriotmobile.com slash Eric or call 972 Patriot. Welcome back. Uh, We continue our conversation with my friend Larry Taunton uh, about his deep dive into the horror that is the World Economic Forum and its uh, leader, Klaus Schwab. Uh, So we learned a lot uh, on this yesterday, Larry. And it seems certainly sinister. Uh, It seems so dedicatedly globalist. But what, what fascinates me is that... If you're uh, a serious Christian and you know anything about the end times, you always worry about a one world order. You worry about an antichrist emerging who wants to take over the world. And at any point in world history, that was effectively preposterous. But we now have the technology and the global connections where there are people very seriously thinking about this and forgetting that, you know, the United States of America is the greatest country in the world and that it has brought freedom and so many good things. They act like, no, 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 no. The the days of nations are over, nationalism bad, globalism good. Uh, And there are plenty of uh, woke Christians who seem to be going along with that agenda, not understanding anything about it, really.
0: Uh, I couldn't agree more, Eric, and uh, great to be with you. Uh, on your show, always love to be with you, and always uh, uh, love to be on your show. Um, there are two things that stand in the way of the globalists and the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab. They are, they are, you know, <laughs> the face of globalism. They're the they're the people who are really driving it. And those two things are this: the first is the Christian faith. Um, the Christian faith, because the Christian faith is fundamentally Against tyranny, and that is because and I kind of loosely quote Francis Schaeffer when I say this uh, Christians are rebellious, rebellious insofar as no no um, you know tyranny can tolerate a people who say that they have an absolute universal standard by which all men and their governments. Are judged. And of course, Christians always say that there is a law above the state. I mean, this country was founded on this principle. You know, the Declaration of Independence doesn't appeal uh, to British law, it appeals to the laws of God. It says, you know, we know that this is what the law says, but there's a law above, uh, uh, above that law. The abolitionists did the same thing. We know that the law says that slavery is illegal, but we say it's an immoral law because we appeal to God's law. So Christians, Christians stand in the way of globalists. So this is why you're seeing a massive attack on the Christian faith. Secondly, is patriotism. You know, just love of country. One of the things I love about Georgia Maloney, the the new prime minister, the populist candidate who was the shocking victory in Italy. One of the things that I love about her is she says, a uh, part of her you know, little uh, speech that went viral about a year ago is she says, um, I'm a woman, I'm a mother, I'm a Christian, and I'm an Italian. And, you know, I loved her for that. I thought, you know, I love the fact that she loves her country. I love the fact that she's, she's saying, I'm not ashamed to be any of these things. And the globalists are trying to make me be ashamed of all of them, that somehow I can't be a mom. I'm not allowed to say that I'm a woman anymore. I have to have all these other pronouns. And I'm definitely not allowed to be a Christian. So the Christian faith and patriotism, where are those things found in the greatest abundance in the world was the United States. So the United States is the key barrier to the globalists, and therefore it has to be demolished. So the ways that they're seeking to do this is with this, with the acids of cynicism. You know, that our history is is all racist and the toppling of statues and these kinds of things. That's part of it. Another thing is to open our borders wide open so that people who don't share our values, who don't understand our history, who have no desire to preserve anything, but rather to annihilate. It, are allowed to just come across our borders by the millions. And also to be seeing billions of, of American taxpayer dollars are being sent uh, around the world for very strange projects, you know, whether it's, um, you know, for some kind of globalist version of Planned Parenthood or the war in Ukraine or what have you. The idea is is in generations past, Eric, the goal of the United States was to try to elevate non-democratic poor countries to the status of the United States. Globalists want to do exactly the opposite. Right. Let's reduce a democratic prosperous nation, the United States, to the status of third world non-democratic countries.
1: No, that that's exactly right. And and again, you know, when you talk about um, Christians being against tyranny, uh, it doesn't matter whether that tyranny comes in the form of hypernationalism, as it did under the Nazis, or in the form of globalism, um, but again, what I find funny is that the, the people today uh, who are uh, globalists uh, or who are somehow vaguely anti-Christian, they act as though nationalism by definition is bad. We know it was bad under Hitler, but when you have nationalism uh, that supports freedom uh, and good things, you know, it, it's just funny that that, that now uh, globalism is just, it's the answer. Nationalism is bad. So many people are just so deeply ignorant of the deeper issues. I think there was, I, I have to laugh because I've been speaking uh, uh, around the country, around my book is a, uh, sorry, not his atheism dead. My new book was letter to the American church. And some people, I think it was the gospel coalition did a review, of course, a negative review. I mean, I didn't expect a positive one, but the, fu- the funny thing is they're saying like, but he doesn't mention that Bonhoeffer was worried about nationalism. And you're thinking, <laughs> yes, that's because Hitler was the head of state and he was against Liberty. He was against Christians. He was against Christian values. But I mean, It's a level of sloppiness, and and it's kind of like people have this glazed eye look like globalism good, transcend borders, transcend nation state. They they haven't thought it through, and it really is frightening because it is no different than when people were seduced by the Nazis uh, into following this maniacal, wicked leader they're not thinking it through or they're afraid to think carefully they're afraid to talk about it which is one of the reasons i'm so happy to have you on because we need to understand what these issues are people need to think and those people who are just drifting along need to wake up and understand what you are allowing to happen not just in this country but around the world but we have to be clear These values that you're talking about have dramatically infiltrated the United States of America, particularly the elites, particularly the Democratic Party, who seem to be all in for everything we're talking
0: about. Yeah, well, listen, allow me to be your huckleberry. Allow me, Eric, to be your battering ram against these kinds of individuals who would criticize your book on that basis, because it's colossal ignorance. See, I will go so far as to say it wasn't nationalism that made the Nazis bad. What made them bad was their godless fascism. In other words, if nationalism is, like say, a glove— when you fill that whatever right, it is right, when you right, fill that with an utterly godless right, fascist right. ideology it becomes evil and that would be true of anything right I, it doesn't right. matter what it is so it wasn't their nationalism it was a, it was a nationalism that became the spearhead of a godless fascist ideology that right. was that was really the problem. But see, the individuals you're talking about at the Gospel Coalition, it's so funny, Eric. I just have to throw this in. When my book, The um, The Faith of Christopher Hitchens, came out in 2016, they named it the Arts and Culture Book of the Year. And I now look upon that as Is that a feather in my cap, you know, or not? Well, no, look, a lot of these
1: folks, these are good folks that have drifted and drifted. Or let's put it another way, Larry, the world has drifted and they've stayed in the same place. They are not alive to the moment. Things are dramatically different than they were 10 and 15 years ago. And if you don't get that, you know, but I mean, that's that's exactly what has happened. I mentioned in my book and I, I try to say it generously about people that I love like Tim Keller you know what what he had said or his model it was absolutely right. But if the world changes very dramatically and the left have become Marxist globalists, you have to shift your, your tune. You, you, you can no longer say, well, we can't be political. I mean if slavery is on the ballot, you kind of might need to be political. And, and these are the things that they don't really want to deal with. It's, it's politically incorrect. It makes them uncomfortable. Uh, they would just like rather play nice. But it's nice hypocrisy. And, well, it's, it's hypocrisy. also hypocrisy, but I didn't want to mention that.
0: Well, I I say that because the very individuals who are saying that you can't be political are the most political people. Tim Keller is one of the most political and pompous individuals speaking on these issues. But the kind of people you're talking about, I'll, I'll use this analogy, think of this as a laser pointer. It feels to me like what the media does is they just simply aim the laser pointer at the wall and the 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 folks at the Gospel Coalition or Christianity Today or the woke crowd, be it Christian or otherwise, they're just pawing at the wall like a cat. You know, in other words, they whatever whatever they direct their attention at, yeah. Ukraine, paw paw paw. Yeah. Um, that, you know, no, that's uh, nationalism. Paw paw paw. That's what they do.
1: <laughs> that that's a sick, funny image. We'll be right back talking to Larry Taunton. Don't go away. Tell me, Eric, why is Relief Factor so successful at lowering or eliminating pain? I'm often asked that question. The owners of Relief Factor tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and I agree with them. So the doctors who formulated Relief Factor for them selected the four best ingredients. Yes, 100% drug-free ingredients. Each helps your body deal with inflammation. Each of the four ingredients deals with inflammation from a different metabolic pathway. And that right there, approaching from four different angles, may be why so many people find such wonderful relief. So if you've got back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or just getting older, you should order the three-week quick start Discounted to only 19.95 to see if it will work for you. It works for me. It has for about 70% of the half a million people who've tried it and have ordered more. Go to ReliefFactor.com or call 800 for Relief to find out about this offer. Feel the difference, folks. Welcome back. I'm talking to my friend Larry Taunton in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, Okay, so let's continue uh, talking about, you know, the proponents of globalism who have infiltrated uh, the American church. It's one of the reasons I wrote my book letter to the American church. We see something happening that was kind of unthinkable, like a decade ago, uh, that a lot of these Marxist ideologies, the globalist ideologies, which are antithetical uh, to the scripture, clearly antithetical to the founders vision of this nation, uh, the United States, that these have made their way critical race theory into the church and they are making it possible for folks like Klaus Schwab uh, and other lizard people uh, to um, to sell this stuff.
0: Yeah, um let's let's talk for just a second about fascism. I think maybe my next article is going to be about fascism, what fascism actually is. You know, you see it tossed around all, all the time, you know, uh, a, a Nazi, you know, Trump's a Nazi, Eric Metaxas is a, you know, is a Nazi, Larry Taunton is a Nazi, uh, a, a fascist. These are individuals speaking from an academic point of view. At least the way I was taught, you know, when I was in graduate school studying history, uh, what fascism is. These the the globalists are themselves fascists. They're not. They're not Marxists. They're they're fascists. Right. However, (laughs) this is kind of the interesting thing, and you know, as a writer, I've sort of played with this, uh, Eric, because I really want to to coin the term fascio Marxism. The problem is it works in an interview like this. When you write it, it doesn't look quite right. So you almost have to reverse it and say, Marxo-Fascist. But they're, they're, they're really fascio-Marxist, meaning that what they are, I mean, these are individuals as billionaires. Bill Gates believes in capitalism, obviously. Um, but what they want for the common people, for the proletarians, so to speak, is a Marxist arrangement where "Quote unquote, you will own nothing." This is a, a famous phrase of the uh, the World Economic Forum. You will have no privacy. Um, there will be share and share alike. Uh, you will make no decisions for yourself. There will be no democracy, uh, and this will be a good thing. You will be happy, is what they say. But for themselves, for themselves, they have a fairly fascist arrangement, which is to say, a kind of Hyper capitalism without any kind of restraints that is milking the common people. Um, And it is weaponizing it against the people because this is really what fascism, a proper definition of fascism, is. You know, I realized when I first went to China in 2010 that China was no longer, you know, communist. Um, You know, here they have Prada, they have uh, Gap, they have Ferrari, you know, all these kinds of things. And I thought, oh, wow. They've absolutely given up on the, the Marxist-Leninist model of uh, economics, and that's because they know it doesn't work. And it's the same in Vietnam. Uh, it is the same in Russia and elsewhere. They've ditched it. Instead, what they've done is they've combined their, a, um, a, a free market economy with a totalitarian regime. Right. And this is right. the very definition of fascism. And it's what we're seeing starting to happen in the West so that the economy itself is weaponized for war against domestic populations. That's what's happening. And that's what the World Economic Forum is doing. And the way they plan to do it, Eric, is with something called ESG. ESG. Um, which suddenly has gone out of my head. is well, yeah, it's like environmental,
1: social, social, you know, whatever it's. Yeah, if you it's kind of like saying if you play ball, you know, we'll help you. If you do exactly. everything it's we tell you to sports. do and sign on the dotted line uh, in your blood, uh, then we will help you. And if you don't, we'll hurt you. Uh, it is evil. Uh, and it is bringing woke ideology it has already brought woke ideology into American corporations, which we once once thought you know because they 're governed by the free market free market values that there 's some level of freedom there. but just as you said, uh, these things can be uh, combined. You can take these fascist ideologies the this uh, authoritarian woke ideologies you can you can work inside. Uh, A capitalistic, ostensibly free society. And that's why it's so insidious and so pernicious. And we have to be aware of it. And let's say this. It is also why most of these people are horrified at Donald Trump because he had the temerity. Uh, to, to go against some of these things. And it's, that's their worst nightmare that somebody who sort of comes from their ilk would, uh, kind of be onto them and would empower exactly. people who would oppose them. And that's why they he would do anything, including murder him. They're not going to get away with it, but they would love to do that if they could.
0: Yeah, well, I love what Dave Chappelle said in his recent Saturday Night Live opening (laughs) is he said Trump was, quote, unquote, an honest liar. And what he meant by that was the analogy he used is he said Trump is the guy who comes out of the house where all of the corruption and the double dealing of government is taking place. And he says to all of us, everything you think we're doing in there, we're doing in there. That's right and uh, And so Chappelle is exactly right in saying that Trump was a guy that they hate because he betrayed you know this the system he betrayed his class in some sense he was the he was a whistleblower you might you might call him a whistleblower, and oh. this is this is what of course has deeply upset the left a little bit like teddy
1: roosevelt i guess he he they figured like hey you 're part of the gang you're part of the club, so you'll play ball won't you and if you don't. We'll, you know we may shoot you as they did uh, with Teddy Roosevelt, but uh, he continued giving that great speech. We'll be right back talking to Larry Alex and Taunton the
2: we'll the to
1: some change. With the overturn of Roe v. Wade, lots of companies are coming out saying they'll pay for employee abortion travel and expenses. Most of you have heard about some of these companies. You've decided to stop shopping or doing business there, but did you know that you most likely own stock in those companies through your 401ks, IRAs, and other investment accounts? Folks, this is a huge problem, and we need to do something about this to send a message to Wall Street through our investments. You need to go to inspireadvisors.com and get a free Inspire Impact report. This biblical investment analysis will educate you on what's really in your investment accounts, like companies paying for abortion travel. You need to go to inspireadvisors.com slash Eric to connect with an Inspire Advisors financial professional who can run your report and help remove companies paying for abortion travel today. Go to inspireadvisors.com slash Eric. That's inspireadvisors.com slash Eric. Advisory services are offered through Inspire Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Hey, folks, you've all helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to you, my listeners. So, right now, MyPillow is offering exclusive offers on their bed sheets, their six piece towel set, and even offering an extended 60 day money back guarantee. Orders placed now through December 25th will have an extended money back guarantee through March 1st. The bed sheets are marked down as low as 29.98. Believe me when I say you'll get a great night's sleep. Their 6-piece towel set is made with USA cotton. It comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. Typically retails at 89.98, now just 39.98 with promo code ERIC. Limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-978-3057, 1-800-978-3057. Use promo code ERIC or go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener square, use promo code ERIC. These offers will not last long. They're known to sell quickly, so order now with promo code ERIC at MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com, promo code ERIC. Folks, Welcome back. Talking to Larry Alex Taunton. Larry, um, you, um, we've seen such unprecedented things, the, the voting fraud. I think because we didn't get the red wave we might have been hoping for, I think it's a good thing because I think it is forcing more people to realize, wait a minute, this is genuinely rigged. No one believes John Fetterman grunted his way to victory. Nobody believes that Kerry Lake lost. It, it. Nobody could really honestly believe that Joe Biden won. I mean, it doesn't make sense. And you're looking around and you think like something rotten uh, has entered our political life. And and the folks who don't like uh, you know pro American figures, whether it's Trump or, or or Carrie Lake or Doug Mastriano, that they will do. Literally anything to keep them out of power, and that they 've simply taken uh, uh, election fraud or whatever it is manipulation to a new level and if we, the people don 't wake up to this, if we don 't go to bat against this stuff it 's over. we have no america
0: yeah, well, let me just say something very, very quickly, a little anecdote your uh, your listeners might appreciate. <laughs> What an impressive lady um, Carrie Lake is. I, I say that Giorgia Maloney, the, the new prime minister of Italy, the the populist candidate is the Carrie Lake of Italy. I mean, Carrie Lake is just a powerhouse, but I was with you at Mar-a-Lago and we're sitting, I don't know if you remember this, but we're chatting in the uh, the lobby and you look over my shoulder and you say, hey, hey, there's the next governor of Arizona. And I turned and looked, uh, looked and it was Carrie Lake. And uh, and I hope that proves to be true because she is truly an impressive lady. Um, I-, I would vote for her for president. I mean, I- oh no, I'm listen, so there are people that are
1: emerging, and this is the good news: is that as bad when things get as bad as they've gotten, you're seeing figures like Maloney, like uh, uh, Carrie Lake, like Doug Mastriano. You're seeing these figures rise up and say. I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to be a champion of the people. I'm going to do what I can do. Uh, so I am hopeful, but I, it's, it's that we're in a battle and we have to continue fighting. It's not just going to be like, oh, yeah, we yes. won the red wave and we went. No, we need to uh, get rid of you know the, the uniparty rhinos like Mitch McConnell because – they are playing ball with the globalists. They're basically saying, yeah, look, we absolutely. don't want to upset the apple cart. Tell us what to do. We're looking around. We don't want to cause any trouble. We're for daytime We kids. don't want to fight with uh, the bad guys. We just want to be friends with the bad guys and all make money. You know, it's kind of bad.
0: Let me explain. Let me explain a little bit about how the election fraud is occurring. Now, let's set aside for just a moment of Dinesh's excellent film, 2,000 Mules, and the ballot harvesting and the mail-in ballots and all the fraud that's taking place there—that we know factually is occurring there. A couple of days ago, Eric, I did an interview on, on, uh, on, on my show with Dr. Robert Epstein. Now, Robert Epstein is a Harvard PhD. He is, um, he is the head of the institute, a uh, senior fellow at the, uh, the Institute for behavioral and technological research. It's a, a fascinating work that he does. Now, I want to 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 say this about uh, Robert Epstein. Robert Epstein supported Hillary Clinton in 2016, and he voted for Joe Biden. In other words, he is a self-described liberal. He's, he's to quote him, he says, I haven't a conservative bone in my body. But I heard him speaking at the Trump Hotel in D.C. in, um, I think it was October 2019, at a big gala event that, that my wife and I were attending. And he made some rather outrageous claims, or at least outrageous if he couldn't support them. And that is to say, he said that there was no way Trump was going to win. And he says, because the election is rigged. Now, he said this a year in advance, and he proved to be correct. Now, when you talk about this and his His research. What he says is that Google is um, shaping the elections and the election results via a number of means, but they're they're collectively what he calls because it's what Google calls them. In emails that, that they managed to obtain that were circulated uh, and published in the Wall Street Journal, what they call ephemeral experiences. That is to say, experiences that are like skywriting. They're there for a moment, and then they evaporate. They disappear. There's there's no paper trail. You can't follow it. And it works something like this, Eric. 60% of Google searches do not result in a click. So, in other words, you start typing, was Abraham Lincoln, and it begins to auto-suggest, you know, fill in the rest of what you're typing. And so the question might be, was Abraham Lincoln, this is an actual example, was Abraham Lincoln a Republican? And it will bring up an answer box. Now, you didn't click on that. It brings it up, and it says Union Party. Now, this this is a deceptive answer, because it's just the name of the Republican Party before is the Republican Party. Uh, But it's it's leading you away quite deliberately from the actual answer. Now, you type in the same thing on Bing, and it will say Republican. Was Abraham Lincoln autofill Republican? And then you can click. So in other words, what Google is doing is because 60% of the time you don't actually click, it gives you the answer it wants to give you. Before you get there. So it's already shifting you in a, and I should be going this way, sh- shifting you towards leftist responses. The other thing is that on YouTube, you know, if you notice when you're watching a video, it will autoplay another video and then another video and another video. These are 85% of the time, these are leftist videos. Another thing is that Google, according to Dr. Epstein, sent out reminders overwhelmingly to Democrats, people they knew because of their their surfing habits. They're able to sort of populate what kind of individual you are. They sent out reminders to them to vote. So asking Dr. Epstein, how many votes do you think in just the midterms Google was able to shift towards Democrat candidates. And he said upwards of 80 million votes. Now, let's think about that for just a second. In 2020, he figures about 7 million votes. So this is a kind of election rigging, and he's trying to blow the whistle on this, uh, but he's being denounced uh, you know, by the likes of Hillary Clinton and others who say oh, yeah. that his research has been debunked, when of course it hasn't. This is
1: this is such horrifying stuff. We'll be back. Final segment with our friend Larry Taunton.
2: On a morning from a Bulgak movie, in a country where they turn by turn, you go strolling.
1: Back. Final segment with our friend Larry Alex Taunton. You can find him at LarryAlexTaunton.com. I hope you do. So, Larry, this is so depressing. Big tech is manipulating things on a level that, again, let's be clear, this was not possible in the past. So horrible things have uh, come about because of technology. Um, what do we do about it?
0: Well, I think that uh, we all need to become like Dr. Robert Epstein insofar as he was able to get Google um, to back off of the elections um, in Georgia in 2020 uh, in the uh, you know, runoffs simply by blowing the whistle. On them, um, I like uh, to quote him, if I may, and he's quoting, um, you know, Supreme Court Justice Brandeis, who said that light is the best disinfectant. Uh, we need to shed light on these things. People need to know. Shows like yours, writing like mine, need to make people aware of what is actually happening. Because you see, i be I was noticing last night something on Twitter, and I haven't quite put my finger on it, but I, I think you'll know what I'm talking about. And And it's this. I'm seeing leftists going absolutely nuts on Twitter. And it's, of course, is due to the fact that Elon Musk has come along and he's created an actual free speech platform. Hopefully that lasts. But what has happened is from their point of view, a Pandora's box has been opened. And all of these opinions that they formerly did not hear because big tech prevented them from hearing them. They therefore had an image of the world that wasn't reality. They thought everybody out there was in favor of transgenderism and everybody was in favor of uh, gender transitioning, you know, minors with irreversible, grotesque surgery. They thought that everybody was in favor of Marxism. Well, now all of a sudden the box has been opened and all of these people, Project Veritas and, and Donald Trump and, you know, people that we know, were suddenly released from Twitter jail and their opinions are now being heard, you have leftists who are for the first time, or at least the first time in many years, are starting to get a real glimpse of the world, that they are actually a minority. In my opinion, I think that that people who believe this nonsense are in in a very small minority. Actually, Larry, that's a big point
1: you just made. I say this all the time. We live with this illusion, the lie that, oh, it's 50-50 nonsense. Most Americans know that there are men and there are women and that people who believe that there are suddenly all these other genders are crazy or kidding themselves. Most people know that. Most things like that are self-evident, but we live in a world that continually tells you, no, 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 Uh, it's divided, we're divided, and by the way, (laughs) the people who believe that crazy (laughs) stuff are getting the upper hand, and you you need to get on the right side of history. Uh, And that's just one example. But I really – I am convinced that most people know these things, but they don't have a voice, which is why folks like you uh, and me, we try and try and try to speak these things to encourage people, folks, that you're not crazy, they're crazy, and you have to stand strong.
0: Absolutely. And see, that illusion that you speak of was created by big tech. I mean the founder of Twitter said that the goal of Twitter was to give radical leftists – my term, not his – a disproportionate voice on that platform yeah. in order to create the illusion that they were the culture yeah. rather than just simply a minor voice within it. Now, with uh, with Twitter changing, all of a sudden we're starting to see reality. I'm
1: afraid we're out of time. Larry, just a joy to speak with you. We'll have you back as soon as possible. Folks, go to LarryAlexTaunton.com. Plenty more where this Uh, came from. Don't forget, folks, pray, stand strong. God bless you. And Larry, God bless you and your family. Thanks for being my guest.
0: Hey, thank you, buddy. Great to be with you.